You are listening to the Optimal Performance Podcast, sponsored by Natural Stacks. If you are into biohacking, performance, or getting more out of life, this is the show for you. To learn more about building optimal performance into your life, check out naturalstacks.com. You were looking for a way to change your life. You got it. I kind of think in some ways, selfishly, that it should remain a secret because it is such an advantage. Natural Stack. Start optimizing your mental and physical performance. Optimize yourself. All right. Happy Thursday, all you optimal performers. I'm your host, Ryan Muncy. Welcome to another episode of the Optimal Performance Podcast. I want to say hello to our guest this week, Mr. Bill Harris. Bill, thanks a lot for hanging out with us. Hey, I really appreciate the invitation, Ryan. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, so for our listeners, um, they may recognize your your technology, Holosync. That's probably what you're most known for, but you've also uh, spoken at the United Nations. You've shared the stage with the Dalai Lama. So I think we're the ones who are uh, honored to, to be able to share the uh, the Skype and, and podcast platform with you today. So um, before we dig in, uh, listeners, a couple of housekeeping notes. As always, go to naturalstacks.com. You can see the video version of this. We'll have tons of links to all of the information that Bill shares with us today, uh, especially links to Holosync and Center uh, Point websites. So, uh, also, if you have not done so, please head over to iTunes, leave us a five star review, let us know how much you like the show, and share the Optimal Performance Podcast with your friends, your family, and anybody else you know who may benefit from what we're talking about here so that we can help more people live optimal. All right, Bill, I'm going to stop talking, and I want you to tell our listeners uh, a little bit about your background and and how you became uh, an expert on all things biohacking, awareness, uh, living optimal. Okay, well, you you actually kind of prompted me before we started that you wanted to hear my elevator speech, which I told you before. And uh, so maybe I'll do that. And then I'll kind of go back and tell the backstory. Sure. And then we can get into some of the the science, which I think people will find very, very interesting. My elevator speech is kind of, I have this technology, Holosync, which creates tremendous awareness. Now, recently I've learned that that awareness really is a function of, of certain changes that Holosync creates in the brain which are very similar, actually, to those created by traditional meditation, but just way, way faster, as technology often is. Uh, It enhances the prefrontal cortex. It calms the limbic system. It causes more connections between those two, so the prefrontal cortex can uh, manage and oversee the dumb ideas that the limbic system often has. And uh, and so that, that is plus creating new connections between the left and the right side of the brain is really how the brain becomes more aware. Um, I'll I'll talk a little more later about exactly how I define awareness. But so, so I have this technology that creates tremendous awareness. Then I show people how to direct that awareness in such a way to create as much choice as possible about four areas of life, how you feel, how you behave, 
which people and situations you attract or become attracted to, which generally happens unconsciously, and what meanings you assign to what's happening around you. The, the sort of basic premise behind all of this is that awareness creates choice. What you do with awareness, um, it becomes a choice. What you do outside your awareness happens on autopilot, and it isn't a choice. It's more uh, a function of how your, your mind and your brain were programmed by your early life experiences. So most people are just doing things on autopilot, which is the way it's supposed to work. Um, it's a good thing that you do things on, uh, on autopilot. Uh, my friend David Eagleman, who's a very famous neuroscientist who also has a PBS special uh, that's been out recently, uh, he wrote a book called Incognito about all the stuff that happens uh, behind the curtain and, uh, and how essential it is. However, when people are traumatized in some way, which we all are by life, when people have disappointments and uh, losses and, uh, and sometimes uh, abuse, uh, certain parts of that autopilot stuff doesn't work very well. Right. And so we end up uh, having a lot of bad feelings or, or behaving in ways that we later regret or failing to behave when we want to, you know, procrastinating and, instead of going ahead and doing whatever it is. And then we attract people into our life that uh, over and over are the same kind of people that we don't want to be around or get attracted to situations that we don't want to be in. And then the, the fourth thing was the uh, assigning meanings to things, just as an aside, uh, in case anybody hasn't thought this through, nothing out there means anything intrinsically. We assign meanings to that as part of the creative process of being a human being. We assign meanings. But if you're doing this on autopilot and you're assigning meanings like, I'll never succeed at this, I'm not very smart, nobody likes me, uh, I don't know why it's so difficult for me to get along with women or men or whatever. Uh, you know, people assign, you know, kind of self-sabotaging meanings quite often. Uh, so, so at any rate, that turned out to be more than an elevator speech, I guess, because <laughs> I'm so long-winded. But at any rate, um, I have a technology that creates tremendous awareness, and I show people where to direct that awareness in such a way to create the maximum amount of choice over those four things. Awesome. So. Yeah, I, I'm really looking forward to kind of breaking that down and, and talking a little bit more about those things and, and sharing with our listeners how we can leverage that. Before we Absolutely. do, before Absolutely. we do, let's 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 hear some of your background. How did you get into this? How did you develop this technology? Yeah, I I grow grew up in a what they in those days they called a broken home, and uh, with fairly uh, crazy parents. Uh, I don't know if crazy is the right word. My mother was a bit crazy. My dad was just kind of distant and critical. And but I, you know, I grew up very unhappy, very angry. Uh, I was very intelligent and good at things. Uh, so I got a lot. I got my only strokes for being good at things, I guess. So I really went into trying to be good at everything, which turned out to be a, a good thing. But I was very unhappy in most ways. When I was nineteen. Well, I should just add to that that I drove a lot of people out of my life. I was very difficult to get along with. I was, uh, at one time or another, I was almost always uh, angry or anxious or depressed. And uh, 
So I, I was, I was struggling uh, to succeed, even though I was uh, talented at a lot of things and smart. People didn't really want to work with me because I was kind of an asshole. And so, so anyway, when I was nineteen, somebody suggested that I should uh, learn how to meditate. Now, meditating in 1969 was not a mainstream thing. It's way more mainstream now, and there's way more research about it and what happens to the brain when you do it, uh, all the benefits of it and all that sort of thing. But anyway, I, I learned to meditate, and it helped, but um, you know, I was a type A meditator, you might say, which is sort of a, a contradiction, but I was... I was very disciplined about it, as I am about most things. And 16 years later, I was still pretty unhappy. And about that time, I was in my mid-30s then, I ran into a couple of different pieces of research. I had taken all the pre-med sciences when I was in school, and I was kind of a science geek. I was always reading scientific papers and, and popular books about science and all that sort of stuff. So while I was meditating... The airy-fairy description of why it worked didn't appeal to me that much. I could tell something was happening, and so I said to myself, it, this is doing something, and there has to be a scientific explanation to why it's doing. Now, there's been tons of research showing what that is, but in those days, not so much. But there were two things that, uh, two pieces of research, one wasn't even about meditation, but one was that they they discovered what, the electrical patterns, uh, electrical brainwave patterns that meditators were making. Um, and so the, they knew this in the 1970s. They knew that meditators were making alpha brainwaves and theta brainwaves and that sort of a thing. <clears throat> so, so that was one piece of, of research that I became aware of. The other one was um, a rather obscure paper written by a researcher at Mount Sinai Medical Center in New York, a man named Dr. Gerald Oster. And uh, it was, it, the, the paper is called Auditory Beats in the Brain. And he was describing a characteristic of the brain that when you presented, the brain, presented a, a human being through their, through their ears so that you could target something go, you know, through headphones, so you could target something going into the left ear to the right side of the brain, something going in the right ear to the left side of the brain, that you could um, influence these two little organelles in, um, in the auditory processing center in the brain called the olivary nuclei to communicate with each other. And in doing that, a standing wave in the brain could be set up. You're, you're putting these pure sine wave tones in certain combinations into the into the brain, and uh, it creates a standing wave in the electrical patterns. In the, it, so the, the short explanation of it would have been his paper was about how you could alter brain waves, change brain waves, and train brain waves. And he gave no purpose, no practical use for this at all. Right. He didn't mention anything about it. It was... I often sort of jokingly say this was sort of like reading a paper about how a certain chemical crosses the blood-brain barrier in the adolescent salamander. You know, like nobody would read this uh, unless you were, for some reason, an adolescent salander, salamander geek. Right. You know. Right. So you look like you were about to ask something. Well, I, before you 
tell us the next steps. I, I just I'm, I'm nodding because we actually had a, a podcast a few episodes ago with the uh, creators of Brain FM, which is music designed to increase concentration, sleep, focus, even meditation. And they referenced the same paper from Mr. Oster. And these are, he coined the term from that paper, the binaural beats. Well, and do you know where, how they know about that paper? Uh, I don't know how they found it. They know about it because of me. Because, <laughs> because I wasn't the very first person to do this, but I was the first person to make it commercially successful. Mm-hmm. And I have tons of knockoffs of people who all heard about it because of the success of Centerpoint. And uh, unfortunately, I, I don't know that much about Brain FM, although I do know that they exist. But most of the people that are doing this don't actually know what they're doing. Uh, the, 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 um, the numbers of the ways you could do this, the amount of choices that you would make in using this are literally infinite. And uh, I often say uh, that it's sort of like if I was the best pastry chef in the world and everybody just loved the pastries I made and then somebody else came along and, and they said, hey, I bought a copy of The Joy of Cooking. I have some flour. I have some eggs. I have some sugar. I have some, some butter. And my pastries are just as good as Bill Harris's. But uh, the truth is that somebody who spent 30 plus years perfecting what they're doing is not the same as somebody who just went online and read something on how to do this. Because you can create, quote unquote, binaural beats, which I, I really never use that term. But, but you, can, you can create some kind of binaural beats. And when people listen to it, they will say, wow, I can feel uh, yeah, I, something's happening. But that's not the same as doing it in the most, the most effective way. So I'm sorry for sort of bitching about all the knockoff artists, but and I'm not and and F, Brain FM they may be great. I I don't I I have not investigated them, but but I just want to make that clear right. because I see people all the time going online and getting oh well I can get this free binaural beat thing and believe me it's worth every penny you pay for it. Uh, you know, there's all kinds of cheap knockoffs, and they're not people that really understand what I understand about the brain, about meditation, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So, so anyway, um, yes, there. You know, there are other ways to. Uh, there are other ways to do this. So, at any rate, when I when I had these two pieces of research, I said, "Wow, these are the brain waves of of meditation." And this guy says he has a way that you can change brainwave patterns. Could I change them to those of meditation? And um, what would that be like? Would it work? Would it work as well? It's And, you know, I had all these questions. So I gathered together a bunch of equipment uh, that I didn't know how to use. Uh, I went to, a, you know, the engineering lab at a, at a college where I was a graduate student at the time and uh, talked them into lending me a bunch of equipment. And I went home and it, like a little mad scientist in my basement, I started uh, creating these soundtracks. And some friends of mine who are also longtime meditators, we started listening to them and it it blew us away. What was happening just totally blew us away. We could not believe, first of all, the experience was such a deep meditation and we were high for hours, sometimes for 24 hours after we, after we listened to it. 
And then, though, I, I'll just tell you what happened to me. I began to notice that I was, my anger was kind of dissipating and my anxiety was calming down and I wasn't getting depressed anymore. And I was, I was more creative and my mind was clearer and all these, these things were happening. Plus I was doing all these fairly sophisticated meditation, um, processes that I had learned over the years because I was very into that. And, you know, I don't, I don't know if the people that are listening to this have ever read books about meditation, but they'll have some guru in India and he's describing all these things that happened when he was meditating. And you read enough of these books and you begin to realize there are certain things that tend to sort of classical meditation experiences that happen when you meditate, but they don't usually happen until you've been doing it a long time. And people, so, you know, people read those books and they think, wow, I'm going to meditate. That sounds cool. And then their experience is something like, my leg itches. Uh, oh, my God, how long has it been? Only only six minutes? Jeez. Uh, um, what's that noise outside? Uh, oh, I can't get comfortable. You know, and they're not having these, these, you know, weird experiences. They're just, you know, bored and they don't make it very far and they quit and say, okay, it's too hard. So all of these kinds of things that we had been reading about and had had little glimpses of because we had been meditating a while, they started happening, you know, all the time. And that is the first thing that really convinced me that this really was like meditation on steroids kind of. So anyway, um, over the years from 1985 to 1989, by word of mouth, you know, we, there was three of us that started doing this. And then we were telling our friend, we were, you know, we're going to our friends and saying, Hey, you got to try this. This is really cool. And so gradually by word of mouth, we had about 150 people or so in United, all across the U S and in Europe who were doing this and everybody was having their own version of the kind of changes I was having. So in 1989, uh, uh, several people that were using it, uh, informally came to me and said, you should create a structured way to do this and sell it and have a business. And at the time I was making about 30,000 a year on some investments I'd made when I sold real estate when I was younger. And uh, I wasn't really working. I was just living on this investment income. And I thought, wow, if I could make another 30,000 a year, wouldn't that be cool? Uh, I doubled my income. I was amazed. I, I didn't have, I, I, I didn't have this big business, uh, you know, vision or anything like that at the time. It took a few years for me to kind of figure out how to even have a successful business, but it really started to take off. And at this point we've sold over $160 million worth of Holosync in all but three countries in the world. Uh, I'm told there are 196 countries in the world. We have people in 193 of those countries, although I haven't counted them up, you know, for a few years. But anyway, it, it just became this big phenomenon. And that's, you know, that's why, for instance, that I ended up speaking with the Dalai Lama and spoke at the United Nations and spoke with Stephen Covey and, and Ken Wilber and at Dave Asprey's biohacking conference and all that sort of stuff. So in the, you know, in the beginning, I started trying to figure out why does this work and what's going on? And I wanted to know what was going on in the brain. And, and, you know, I'll sort of skip forward a little bit, but, you know, uh, 
in the late 90s, I met uh, Dr. Daniel Amen and uh, some other people that were neuroscience people, and I was reading lots of stuff about it. And uh, <clears throat> finally, just to make a long story short, what, what I began to realize was that, first of all, all of this stuff was happening in the brain. You know, the sort of metaphysical description of it has a brain-based, uh, you know, description. And there are a lot of parts of the brain involved, but basically what's going on with all human beings is that there's kind of a war going on in everybody's brain between whether your limbic system is going to run the show or your prefrontal cortex is going to run the show. Um, I, you know, I'm not an expert in Siltap, but I, uh, but I suspect that what Siltap does is that it enhances certain parts of the prefrontal cortex, which is part of, you know, the part of the brain that is mostly responsible for, for focus and, you know, being able to concentrate and all that sort of stuff. But, uh, let me, let me talk about the limbic system a little bit. Yeah. The limbic system has all kinds of things that it does that are good for you. Mm-hmm. You know, when you fall in love and you're having that romantic phase, you know, your, your, your limbic system is creating all this dopamine that causes you to be so focused on the person you're in love with and, and become really creative about figuring out how to spend time with them and please them and all that sort of stuff. Um, but it also kind of does the same thing about that stuff in the bakery case at, uh, at uh, Whole Foods when you walk by. It causes you to instantly fall in love with that and right. want it. Right. And uh, um, it, uh, it causes you to blow off meditating or exercising or, you know, whatever lifestyle things you've decided on because you don't feel like at the moment. The, the limbic system, when it's doing this desire thing, it cannot look at all at long-term consequences. And, you know, I mean, most people have had that happen to them regarding falling in love. You just think everything's perfect, but then after the, the, the romance part kind of wears off, you realize, what the hell am I doing? This person is the extremely annoying or, or whatever. You know, you find out things about them that you didn't see or you don't think of the consequences. Um, but, you know, so people... When their limbic system is really overactive, they will spend money they don't have on things they don't want. They will blow off these lifestyle things, as I said. They will, you know, desire uh, food that they know they shouldn't eat. Some people don't know they shouldn't eat it, but I think most of the people watching this show probably have a pretty good idea of what a healthy diet really is. We don't need to go into that in any detail, but... um, so there's all these these dopamine driven. You know, dopamine is a really powerful drug. Um, they when they first found out what part of the brain they could stimulate to give uh, rats, in this case, a hit of dopamine, they set up these experiments where they they had these rats in a cage and they put a, a lever on one side of the cage where if they pulled the lever, they got a hit of dopamine, and they found out that these rats would not eat drink, sleep, or have sex if they had the choice of uh, that or pulling the lever to get dopamine. Right. That's how powerful it was. Then they put a, a, they put a, they made it so they had to go across the, the uh, cage uh, alternately to push two levers. 
And then they put an electrical grid in the middle of the cage so that to, to, they had to get a shock to get to the lever. And these rats actually kept doing this until they burned their little rat feet off. That's how, that's how powerful dopamine is. And, you know, if you stop to think about it, you know when you have made dumb decisions because you're being driven by dopamine. Right. Whether it's in a romantic situation or a food situation or a money situation or, uh, you know, screwing off when you decided to work on your business or, you know, whatever it is. There's just so many things that all, you know, addictions, all that sort of stuff, all involved in this in this dopamine system. So that's one difficult, you know, problem with having an overactive limbic system, which right. lots of people do. No. Uh, OCD and ADD are also overactive limbic systems. So is post-traumatic stress disorder. There's many, 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 many common human problems are caused by uh, uh, an overactive limbic system. And just to clarify, it's you know any of those issues you're talking about come from being out of balance in absolutely in those neurotransmitters or, or in that limbic system. Yes, absolutely, absolutely, and. What well, and let me tell you the other downside to the limbic system, and then we can move on to the prefrontal cortex, and then we can talk about some of that stuff. <clears throat> the other thing that the limbic system is responsible for is the fight or flight response, and which is really handy if you are in a life threatening situation. When you go into fight or flight, the blood flows away from your brain, so you lose IQ points, into your extremities, so you can fight or flee. The problem is that um, modern life is so stressful that people are in low-grade fight-or-flight or worse, sometimes in high-grade fight-or-flight, over stuff that is not life-threatening at all. You know, I mean, think what happens when you can't find your cell phone. Right. Where, you know, I mean, you start to freak out. Like, God, my whole life is in there. I can't, I, can't, I can't even call anybody to tell them I can't call them because I lost my cell you know, or somebody cuts you off, or you have an argument with somebody. You know, I mean, all these things that that aren't life threatening, but we get really stressed over them. And interestingly enough, when you get really stressed, your limbic system grows. It actually becomes bigger. It becomes more active, and so it becomes this this sort of uh, vicious cycle where the more stressed you get by the limbic system and the cortisol it produces and all these other um, these other uh, stress hormones, the bigger it gets and the more likely it is to be overactive and to overreact to things. Plus, you've got the, all this dopamine stuff. So, And then the, the, the overactive fight or flight thing is very bad for you physically. There's all these health problems and brain fog and all these other things. So anyway, an overactive limbic system is not a good thing. And many, many people have it. I I have to I struggle all the time, uh, even though I'm doing a zillion brain hack things to calm it down. I realize I have to keep keep doing that. So anyway, the the, the other part of the brain support is the prefrontal cortex, which I'm sh- I I suspect the people listening know more about that than the people I'm usually talking to. It's the source of executive control of learning from uh, experience. Uh, of creativity, pattern recognition, uh, focus, concentration, motivation, uh, you know, all those kinds of things. And um, 
unfortunately, when the when the limbic system becomes overactive and you're stressed, the the prefrontal cortex actually becomes deactivated. It actually becomes smaller. And so uh, the other thing that the prefrontal cortex does is it supervises the limbic system. When you walk by the bakery case in uh, Whole Foods and you say, wow, that looks good, uh, uh, the limbic system operates faster than the prefrontal cortex. It takes a, a, you know, a few more fractions of a second before your prefrontal cortex kicks in. So usually what happens is, wow, uh, she, you know, she looks hot. Or that that cake looks great, or or oh wow, I want to buy that, even though I'm gonna to have to put it on my credit card and I, you know, run up a bill. Your prefrontal cortex, if it's strong enough, it kicks in a second later, and you say, eh, not a good idea, and you walk by the baker case, or you don't get involved with the if, with the crazy woman, who um, who is really hot and really fun but crazy. Or man, you know, whatever. Uh, so it turns out that, uh, you know, there's all kinds of things you can do to enhance the prefrontal cortex or calm the limbic system. There are breathing exercises that calm the limbic system. There are supplements that calm it. There are, you know, supplements and things that enhance the prefrontal cortex too. Uh, certainly a, a lot of smart drugs enhance the prefrontal cortex. The, the most effective thing, long range, though, that anybody has ever found is meditation. And there's actually a lot of research now showing how the prefrontal cortex um, is enhanced by meditation and the limbic system is calmed by meditation. Uh, Richie Davidson, who's a researcher at the, um, the University of Wisconsin at Madison, he did a very interesting study a number of years ago uh, on this thing called attentional blink. They were showing people on a computer this whole string of numbers that were going by really fast, and every now and then there was a letter in there. Now, I may be getting this backwards. It may be a, been a whole string of letters with a number in there, but, but at any rate, when this anomaly came along, uh, you're supposed to push the space bar. And... Uh, so they had a bunch of people that were doing this, and, and most people, when they when the when the the letter came along, could could successfully press the space bar. But they found that if they put two of these pretty close together, people couldn't uh, see the second one. And they later found I'm sort of giving up part of the punchline here, but they later found out that that you needed acetylcholine. In the in the synapses, uh, in order to see this, and that uh, it took so much acetylcholine to see it that you didn't have time to reload. If they showed you another one within like four tenths of a second or something, so anyway, they then they took the people that they had had this baseline on, and they divided them in, into two groups. One group didn't do anything. Really, they were just the control group. The other group, they had them do this really intense meditation retreat thing, where they were meditating like twelve hours a day for two months. Wow! And then they repeated the experiment, and the people that had been meditating all that time, they could uh, they could see the second one. The first group did just as poorly. The second time, the control group did, 
And that's when they re- they found out that the people that had been meditating, it wasn't that they were making more acetylcholine. It's that they were able to focus with l- using less of it. Mm-hmm. So uh, when they saw that first uh, anomaly letter in the string of numbers, they didn't use up all the acetylcholine to see it. So they had some left over to see the next one. And you know, it's it's kind of the same phenomenon uh, as when when you like you're at a party and you meet somebody and you remember the name of the first person, but then that another person comes along, uh, you know, in a, two minutes later, and and you get introduced to them, and then either you forget the first person's name and you remember that, or you or you you know, in other words, there's a certain amount of neurochemistry going on to whether or not you can remember a, a, a string of things. And so this was just kind of a, a description of one of the ways that the that meditation enhances the prefrontal cortex. Um, I know that was sort of a long story, but I think it's an interesting, it was a really fascinating to me when I first ran across it. So I thought people would like that. Yeah. So anyway, um, when when, as I developed this big audience of people, using Holosync and giving us feedback, what we began to notice that people were getting the very same uh, benefits as traditional meditation, but, and we've been doing this now for like 31 years, people get these benefits eight times faster. So you don't need to do two months of 12 hours a day. Uh, you know, you can maybe do uh, four months of one hour a day or something like that, and you get the same benefits. So it turns out that just like every other kind of technology you can think of, when you find a technology that allows you to do something you were doing, you know, the old-fashioned way, like, you know, you can get from A to B walking, but you can get there a lot faster if you drive a car. Right. Or, or whatever the, the case may be. So Holosync just turns out to be a way to dramatically, dramatically, and very quickly enhance the prefrontal cortex. And the, the prefrontal cortex actually, the brain turns over more brain real estate to prefrontal cortex functions. And the limbic system shrinks. And But it's not a totally permanent thing. I mean, it... it it's something that when you do this, it takes a long time if you stopped right. for the, these these things to go away. But, um, you know, if you're continually stressed, um, sometimes it's necessary to keep doing these things. Right. Uh, what people find when they do Holosync is that the things that normally stress them a lot uh, stop stressing them. And, in fact, uh, we what we what we used to say before I was framing this in terms of the brain, is that everyone has a threshold for what they can handle. Mm-hmm. And when you when that threshold is exceeded, you begin to feel stressed or even overwhelmed. And uh, stress lowers that threshold right. and meditation raises it. Mm-hmm. And so we said uh, a lot of people just try to avoid these stressors, which is not a bad idea, but... And they, they do all these things to sort of treat the symptoms. Right. You know, a lot of dysfunctional feelings and behaviors are responses to stress. Like people get pissed off because they're really stressed. And then after they get pissed off, for a while they feel better. They right. sort of blew off that steam. If 
I've just always said, let's attack this at the cause. Let's raise that threshold higher. Right. Now, it turns out that that threshold is the place where your, your limbic system kind of kicks in and it takes over from the prefrontal cortex. But I didn't understand that when I first framed that little, you know, kind of uh, metaphor for how this happens. Yeah. So anyway, uh, go ahead. I'm sure you have some questions at this point. Well, uh, I guess just on this most recent thing that you said, you know, it, it reminds me of the saying, you know, where it's don't ask for an easier life, ask for broader shoulders or something. And, and you know, what you're saying is we're, we're going to raise that threshold. We're making the prefrontal cortex stronger so that it can hold on longer and fight off the limbic system from taking over if it gets stressed or, or overwhelmed. Yeah, and, you know, um, I, I am certainly not at all against uh, smart drugs and that sort of thing. I, um, I take in the morning, I don't know, if I put all my supplements in this glass, it would, for <laughs> the morning, it goes up about that high. It's, and uh, the dinner is a little bit lower and the lunch is probably the, the, the least amount. But, I mean, I bet I take at l- more than a cup of, of different supplements so Every day. Give us a few of your favorites. What are what are the must takes for you? Oh God, it's so hard. Uh, well, certainly I take a lot of uh, EPA, DHA, you know, fish supple- fish oil supplements. I take about six thousand units of that stuff a day. Okay. I take a. Um, see, you're going to ask me what some of these do, and I'm not going to remember the whole explanation. A C-level carnitine is one that I take. Uh, That's one of the star ingredients in uh, in our Siltup. You know, I I take uh, a lot of uh, uh, you know uh, CoQ10. I take you know Dave Asprey has these little vials. Uh, Unfair uh, advantage. Yeah, I yep. take that. Plus, I take a couple of others from. I t- I get a lot of my supplements from uh, Life Extension Foundation, and I have some that I get from from uh, Dave. Um, I take a little thing that, uh, some herb that, uh, is supposed to increase, uh, dopamine a little bit. I found if I took two of them a day, I was sort of freaked out a little bit. So I started taking okay. one a day. Um, oh God, I take so many of these. I take several things that, that calm the limbic system. You know, okay. I take GABA, mm-hmm. I take uh, 5-HTP, I take L-theanine, um, uh, I usually take that plus some melatonin before I go to bed. Okay. Um, so we've got uh, we've got a whole line of uh, brain foods. We have theanine in our smart caffeine. We didn't bring you on to talk about our stuff, but but after we finish recording and maybe down the road, we can uh, we can get you some of our stuff and let you try it out and you know see if it helps you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I I'd have to you know be thinking about this, but I mean, I I take a, a ton of stuff. I take uh, this uh, other thing called mitochondrial en- energy op- optimizer, mm-hmm. which isn't a CoQ10 thing, right. but it's something from Life Extension, but I can't remember exactly what's in that. I'd be curious to see. Most most mitochondrial products that I've seen are bio-PQQ. Yeah. I, well, I mean, that's what's in the CoQ10 I take from Life Extension. Okay. And then that's, that's what's in uh, Dave's right. unfair right. advantage stuff. Right. Um, I, you know, if you'd asked me this ahead of time, I, <laughs> I, uh, I'm actually going, today is, uh, today is Wednesday, 
on Friday, I'm going to uh, La Jolla, California. I'm doing this all day thing. Uh, you know what the X Prize is? Yes. I'm on the X Prize Foundation board with some oh, awesome. amazing people. Yeah. And Peter Diamatis and uh, a lot of the people on there are part of this sort of beta testing yeah. of this thing. Uh, it's called Health Nucleus. Okay. And uh, do you know who about them? I don't, but I read uh, Peter's book, Bold, and he talked a lot about X-Prize. Oh, he there. talked about, okay. Yeah, it's, it's well, a I, great book. I just learned about this recently, but uh, I'm going there on Friday. They do this, the most complete genome sequencing thing that you can possibly do. In fact, it's not approved by the FDA. They got the FDA to agree to this as a beta testing thing. Then they do this whole biome thing, uh, you know, where they're, doing all the the chemistry in your colon and all that stuff right. plus they do this huge uh, uh blood chemistry thing mm -hmm. that is like hundreds of substances in your blood and um, i'm really in interested in learning more about about that and yeah, then they do all kinds of other stuff they do a full body uh, mri they uh you know i do all this bmi testing and, and uh, on and on and on and on. It's yeah. just really amazing. What's the name of it again? Uh, Health Nucleus. Okay. The unfortunate thing about this is it costs $25,000 to do it. <laughs> it's not cheap. Right. Um, and, but they give you the most complete health diagnostic workup that you could get anywhere in the world by far. Yeah. And the reason I thought of that is that um, – when I was filling out all this paperwork for it, or it was online actually, it wasn't paperwork, it was did electron work, I guess. But they had this little box and they said, please list the supplements you take. And I was sitting here at my office and I'm saying, okay, uh, I'm probably taking about 40 different things or something. And I don't remember what they are and I certainly don't remember what's in all of them. So I'm, I'm going to have to go and um, make a big list for them. Right. And I need, I, I've been procrastinating doing that a little bit because I know it's going to take me at least an hour to do it. And uh, if I'd had that, then I could have just reeled off all this stuff that I'm taking. Um, I'm, I'm, sort, I'm sort of hoping that after this they're going to say, uh, here's so much of these things you're taking you don't have to take, which would probably save me a fortune. Right. Because I'm probably paying – six or seven thousand dollars a year at least on supplements <laughs> and hopefully it's it's helping i don't yeah. know yeah I'm, sure. I'm trying to live forever uh and so far so good yeah but uh, <laughs> that's that's our goal too we want to be smarter we want to be happier we want to live forever and uh and, and yeah. i knew that's why this would be a great show yeah and i you know and i have a very holistic view to this holosync is a very powerful tool and uh so that's part of it but right. you know it also has to do with with diet, with supplementation, mm -hmm. with sleep, yeah. with exercise. Uh, another thing I'm about to get is this uh, this exercise. I, I I use this thing now, which is pretty amazing, which is called a ROM machine. Okay. Range of motion. If you go to fastexercise.com, it's a four minute exercise that just sort of totally kicks your ass in four minutes. I, I know it sounds. Uh, it it sounds like maybe it's bogus, but it isn't. It's really amazing, and it's. I don't know if we should take the time to talk about this, but uh, it, it. it's a full. It's a strength 
cardio and stretching thing that you do in four minutes. And um, everybody is uh, skeptical until they do it. Okay. This video I saw about it was at a, some sort of a conference uh, and they had this uh, expo sort of thing. And they were, they were asking these, these uh, personal trainer guys that were walking around, do you think you can get a full cardio strength and uh, stretching workout in four minutes? And they were going, no. And then they said, well, why don't you hop on here and try this? And then they showed them when they were getting, they were done and, and they're going, <laughs> <laughs> and they said, well, what do you think now? And they said, that's fucking amazing. <laughs> <laughs> My neighbor, who's a personal trainer, kind of told me about it. Okay. So anyway, I was at this, uh, this big mastermind and there's this other device called Vasper, V-A-S-P-E-R. Have you heard of that? Yes. Uh, I'm, that's 40 grand, mm -hmm. but I'm going to get it because they, uh, they use these cuffs, uh, to restrict some of your muscles mm -hmm. and cold and everything. And it, it allows you to get the same, uh, reaction in the brain from weight. You know, usually you have to like, I used to be a long distance runner right. and you have to run like. 15 miles or something before all this stuff kicks in, mm -hmm. uh, telling your brain, make more anabolic, uh, you know, neurochemicals and steroids and so on and so forth. They found a way that you can do way shorter exercise, get that same response. And it's especially valuable for people that are my age. I'm 66. Mm -hmm. It's almost impossible when you get to be into your sixties to exercise hard enough that you make the same, biochemical stuff happen as you could pretty easily when you were young if you right. worked out really hard. Right. So this allows you to do that and it's supported by a lot of research. So anyway, I mean the main point I was trying to make is that I see this as a, you know, a, a constellation of lifestyle things just like I'm sure you do. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and so I'm always looking for uh new cool stuff that uh I think a few of the things that Dave does are a little on the whack job side, but, uh, but I mean, he's just, I, I get it. He's like me. I'm really adventurous. Something comes right. along. I'll try it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, whereas other people say, oh, I don't know. That Somebody like has to be the tip of the spear, right? Yeah. For instance, one of the things Dave, he has a, one of those, uh, what's it called? Um, the free the the rip, ultra cold yes uh, the cryotherapy chamber cryo, yeah. yeah and and I know a lot of elite athletes use that right after they work out I have a feeling that that is a very temporary thing mm -hmm. if you have a lot of inflammation from working out and you go in there for three minutes or whatever a minute or whatever it is it probably is helpful but in terms of getting rid of systemic inflammation caused by human metabolism, mm -hmm. which is what eventually makes your body break down as you get older. Uh, it's not something you can get rid of because you can't, you have to metabolize to be alive, right. but you can tone it down. And certainly most Americans are eating a very inflammatory diet. So you can, that was one of my big ahas quite a few years ago is I was taking all these supplements that were anti-inflammatory and, and everything. And then I met some people that are really tuned into a lot of the this, this was quite a few years ago before it was the rage, you know, to eating high, high, good fat, high protein, low carb diets and that kind of thing. And I realized 
I'm taking all this anti-inflammatory stuff and I'm eating all this stuff that it is inflammatory. Right. That doesn't make a lot of sense. Right. You know, right. so then I changed my diet and, uh, and which changed a lot. So anyway, we should probably get back to, uh, what we came here to talk about. Yeah, well, and we will, but I, I want to ask you again on that cryotherapy. I think that was, that was interesting. And, and we have wanted for a while to have somebody on and, and we may still pursue a, somebody who's an expert in cryotherapy, but I think you just, you mentioned something that was probably a very valid point that it's a short term thing and that you would only get the benefits from it with frequent use. It's sort of it's sort of like you know if you go out running and your legs are sore you might or, or well it's, I mean this is like what you see the interviews in the NBA locker rooms after the games and they've they're all icing their muscles right. you know it's just it's just a more sophisticated way of doing that right um, and uh, and it's probably colder uh, than the ice and takes a shorter amount of time but I don't think it does anything about systemic inflammation which is what i'm because i i do i rarely work out hard enough that i get sore um anymore i used to when i was younger uh, when i was running marathons and stuff but so that's i don't know i'm not an expert on cryotherapy but that's just my hit on it and i it's probably right because i i know a lot about just science and the laws of physics and that sort of stuff right so let's we'll go back to Holosync, and and I know you had mentioned uh, earlier that it helps uh, with patterning and, and connecting the right and left brain. Let's talk a little bit about that. Yeah, um, you know, the, there's a connection between the two sides of the brain through the corpus callosum. Uh, obviously, most people most people that will be listening to your podcast probably know stuff like that. Um, you know, the more there, the more connections there are in your brain. You know, the more the different parts of the brain, the brain is really just uh, designed to work in parallel. Right. You know, just when you look at something and see it, there's a part of the brain like you have those those one, two, those mm-hmm. yeah, uh, six sided things behind you. You know, there's there's a part of the brain that sees the color. There's a part of the brain that sees the shape. There's a part of the brain that you know sees where it's 3D or flat and on and on and on. There's all these different things and they work separately. But um, the, the, the connections in the brain put it all together and then your brain, you know, um, sees it. And uh, there's so much going on behind the curtain. And one of the things that happens when people get older and their brain, you know, your brain uh, begins to go uh, downhill Guess, guess what age? Uh, 30. 30. You're right. It hits, you're, you hit your peak at about 30. And, uh, you know, uh, that freaks people that's, out. Yeah, that's pretty scary. I mean, because I'll bet most of the people that are watching this are either close to 30 or, or maybe or beyond. You know, uh, you know, I'm 66. Uh, I just, I'm making a documentary I will come back to what we're talking about. Yeah. I'm making a documentary now about new discoveries in brain science and the people who are creating tools uh, for utilizing those discoveries. Okay. I mean, you're one of those people. We Daniel Amen is one of those people. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, I'm one of those people. 
Dave uh, Asprey is one of those people. And one of the people I interviewed for that was uh, Michael Merzenich, who's known as the grandfather of neuroplasticity. Mm-hmm. He has this very amazing book. Everybody should get this book. It's a self-published book. Uh, but, I mean, he, he is... He is like a professor emeritus at the University of California at San Francisco. He is probably the most famous uh, neuro researcher ever. He's amazing. And um, this book he has is called Soft Wired. Okay. In other words, your brain is soft wired, not hard wired. It's, it's, but he, he describes how the brain um, – builds itself up up to age 30 and then he describes the 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 declining part he has these amazing brain training things online you know this is this is way beyond uh uh, uh what's the Lumosity. one Lumosity, way beyond that and and you know daniel amen is a very good friend of mine i, I love daniel he's a, he's amazing but it's way beyond the stuff daniel has too and um now I forget where I was going with this, but it's called Brain HQ. If you go to brainhq.com, I really highly recommend that. Because we are talking about the fact that the brain goes downhill starting at 30. Yep. And he really created this to ameliorate that. And he has like 150 or 200 or something studies behind mm-hmm. the way these things are put together. Mm-hmm. And no matter how good you get them, there's, you know, there's something like, 1200 different levels to these or something and they just get harder and harder and harder and they and all these different categories brain speed attention focus um i don't know there's five or six categories of stuff it really cool really cool stuff anyway um this um this documentary will probably be out later in the year, and okay. it has got some amazing people in it. And uh, I'm just trying to spread the word about the fact that the new discoveries about the brain, how it can be changed, how the you know almost all of the challenges that human beings face, uh, emotional challenges, mental challenges, you know, relational challenges, uh, health challenges, all that. Are, are regulated or fa- failing to be regulated by the brain. Right. Uh, if, if people are anxious or sad or angry or brain fog or whatever it is, it's something going wrong in the brain. On the other hand, there's all these qualities that we all want, like being more motivated, more confident, um, you know, a happier, calmer, uh, more creative, on and on and on. There's all these qualities that – and most of these – Negative qualities have always been very difficult to do anything about. Mm-hmm. And most of the positive qualities, it's kind of like you either have them or you don't. Although there are things you can do to improve on them. Now, though, they know what parts of the brain are involved and they know how to change those parts of the brain. So it's just like this whole new universe of possibilities where things that didn't used to be possible or were really difficult now are possible. And so I'm, I made this documentary just partly to, to try to bring this information to a much wider audience so that people know this is available. And this is going to be a very um, high production quality, like National Geographic Nova quality yeah. uh, program. And then I also have a book that people get for free, by the way, 
Uh, it's called The New Science of Super Awareness. Okay. And, and if people go to centerpoint.com, you can put a link to you know the website. Yeah, uh, we will. We'll put that on both. the show notes. If people go to centerpoint.com, they can either get a free PDF of this. It also has an audio version. So you you know you don't even need to read it to absorb the information, or if you want to get a, a hard copy of it, uh, if you just pay the shipping and handling, we just we send it to you free. Uh, just you have to pay to have us get it to you. But uh, I guess I'm trying to make the point that Holosync is an amazing tool, but it's only part of what what I'm doing. Right. Um, you know, I mentioned in that. Uh, elevator speech that I have this really amazing tool that creates all this awareness. And then I, then I show people where to direct that awareness. And I show that through, through several things that I have. But the main thing I have is I have a series of three courses that I collectively call my life principles integration process. The first one is really based on cognitive psychology and it describes all these internal cognitive processes that we're all running all the time. We're doing, we're all doing it right now in order to have this conversation, in order to, you know, process what's going on. You, you know, you're making internal representations and a number of different modalities, which you group into, uh, into beliefs and values and, and, uh, internal strategies. And, and there's all these sort of meta programs that people create, on. Uh, to decide what to pay attention to, what not to pay attention to, how to make decisions. It's a, it's, it's a very complex uh, matrix of stuff. <clears throat> and you remember I said that awareness creates choice. Mm -hmm. These cognitive processes just run on autopilot. But if you have enough awareness, which most people don't, it, this takes more awareness than the average person has you actually can go inside and observe those cognitive processes as you run them. You can observe the internal pictures, the internal sounds, the internal dialogue, the internal uh, smells, tastes, the proprioceptic internal, uh, internal uh, representations. You can observe your beliefs and how they become self-fulfilling prophecies, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You can observe this stuff as you do it. It takes practice and it takes a lot of uh, awareness. But when you do that, what those things create becomes a choice. Mm -hmm. And that's when I mentioned those four things before, how you feel, how you behave, which people and situations you attract or become attracted to, and what, um, what meanings you assign to things. Those four things are created by all these internal processes. And, um, and if they're running on autopilot, then you just got to take – the results as they come. But if something is not running the way you want it to, you know, you can go inside and observe uh, how you're creating feeling like crap, feeling anxious, feeling or whatever, attracting the same crazy woman in the same, in a different body over and over again, or the same crazy man. And, you know, I'm not trying to be gender uh, bigoted or anything, <laughs> right. but so, 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 and so that's my the first course. The second course is uh, is really sort of my take on metaphysics, but it's it's not the a woo woo thing. It's really applying awareness and all this to really. It's about the first course is about the world you create with your mind. 
you know, that you create a certain universe out there with your mind. When you do certain spiritual practices, like Zen meditation or something, you learn to shut the mind off. You learn to, you know, put it in neutral. And then there, what you observe, what you're aware of, is something completely different. And what I realized from doing 40-some years of, of uh, Zen practice and other meditation practice is that almost everybody is doing all these things that are kind of resisting that basic stuff that's behind what the mind creates. You know, there's something going on there when you get the mind out of the way, and most people are in resistance to it. When you become aware of it and can observe that, then you automatically drop being in resistance to it. The, 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 you know, I said awareness creates choice. The other thing is that once you have a choice, you'll always drop what isn't working and do what does you'll always do what best best serves you and other people and drop what doesn't so on a quote-unquote metaphysical sense if you can observe what's going on when your mind is in neutral when you're having what they would call a transcendent experience then you stop resisting that and then a whole nother degree of you know life working, feeling comfortable in your own skin, being happy, being peaceful, et cetera, et cetera. When people do that, people start coming up to them and say, I don't know what it is with you, but you, there's something about you that I want to have. What, uh, you know, uh, you know, you, you begin to have this charisma about you uh, when you, and then the third course is where I sort of say, okay, you at least are on the way to mastering the world your mind creates. And you're, you're, you understand the world beyond the mind. Now, with that perspective, how do you go out in the world and do something? How do you go out in the world and make a, make a difference? Uh, you know, create a business. Uh, you know, whatever it is. I mean, you know, it, it's, it's up to the, the person, of course. But it's, right. sort of, it's sort of my take on goal setting, okay. but from a, a much bigger, I think, perspective. Right. And then, then the last three lessons, of the, each one of these has 12 lessons. It takes a year and a half to go through this whole thing. Okay. The, the last three lessons in that third course, I, I actually ran out. I said I'd have 12 lessons in each course, and I finished what I wanted to say in nine lessons. So I went, oh, <laughs> what else? how am I going to finish this? Right. And, and so I went into something called script theory, okay. which is, is how people – what it really turns out is that that internal map of reality, the internal cognitive process I was talking about, there's a way that people assemble that while they're growing up. And a lot of psychologists call that a life script. And so I, I went in and taught all this really interesting, cool stuff about how people create their life script. So then people finish that and then they go, oh, that explains how my uh, all these internal cognitive processes got to be the way they are. And then what happens is people say, I'm going to go take this whole thing again. And, and they, cause the, it's, it's kind of a, a to do course because it's not, a, it's really fascinating to learn about all this stuff, but to really benefit, you have to actually learn to do it. Mm -hmm. You have to learn how to 
observe those internal processes, for instance, while you're running them. And that is like learning to play the piano or something. It, you know, you don't just, you know, listen to somebody lecture about it for a while and then you say, okay, I know that now. And so anyway, I'm, I'm really running off of the mouth here now, but, uh, yeah. No, Bill, this has been fascinating, and I'm, I'm, I fear that we're running out of time. I know yeah, we probably are. When, when we set this up, we set about an hour, and, and I don't want to take more of your time, but this is what I'll say. I think there, there's a lot of stuff that we have not been able to cover that, that I would love to, to talk to you about, and knowing that your documentary is going to come out later this year, why don't we set up another episode when that comes out? We'll help you promote that and share, because sure. I think that's a great thing. And then we can talk about some of the other issues or, or, or topics that we haven't covered yet. Absolutely. Absolutely. For now, I would just suggest that people get Holosync. Holosync is really amazing. Okay. And where do people find that? Well, uh, let's just put a link below the uh, yep. below this, this screen. Well, before we let you go, Bill, we ask all of our guests for their top three tips to live optimal. So if you have to boil everything down to three tips... What would you tell our listeners? You you mean to do things to do, not principles. Uh, it can be either 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 or. Maybe principles. Well, I mean, I guess my top principle is is it's all about awareness. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, awareness creates choice, and when you have enough awareness, you'll know just exactly what to do in every situation to the degree that you have enough awareness. So awareness though is a function of the brain. So the second thing would be you have to feed your brain uh, what it needs in order to have enough awareness. And uh, that means that you have to exercise because that feeds your brain. You have to get enough sleep. You have to, you know, uh, take supplements that, uh, you know, deal with inflammation and oxidation and glycation and all these, these things that, uh, you know, can be problematic. Plus they can enhance parts of your brain that you need. And then, and then, you know, meditation, preferably Holosync, uh, is another one of those things. So there's, you know, there's these lifestyle things that feed your brain. Uh, and also, you know, I really highly recommend, uh, Michael Merzenich's brain HQ. Those, those brain train there, those those are really cool and they're, they're really fun. So, and so then once you have that awareness, then you want to, uh, you want to, to look into and, and learn how to observe the things that your brain does or really it's kind of your, this is more the mind, but it's obviously coming from the brain. The things your mind does that create those four things that I said, how you feel, how you behave, which people and situations you attract and what meanings you assign. Because those, in my opinion, are the only things in life you actually could have a choice about. It's, I mean, that yeah. they take in a lot of, uh, there's another thing I get into sometimes is talking about all the things in life that human beings do not have a choice about. There are certain things that are pre-set up that you don't have a choice about, but we'll save that for another time. Okay. So does that make sense? Yeah. It's all about awareness. Awareness begins in your brain. Once you have the awareness, you need to learn where to direct that awareness to get the greatest amount of choice. Yeah, that is great. Bill, this has been a great episode. Thank you so much for your time. For you guys listening, make sure you head to naturalstacks.com. 
go to the blog, you'll be able to see the video, all the links to the numerous resources that we talked about. I'll make sure that you guys can just click on those links and go straight there. And uh, we will also announce uh, whatever it is that, that Bill and I are able to come up with for you guys. Um, and, and that way you guys can take advantage of that. And thank you guys for listening. Head to iTunes, leave us a five-star review, share the Optimal Performance Podcast with other folks who you know want to live optimal. And thank you guys for listening. We'll talk to you next Thursday. Nothing stuck. Start optimizing your mental and physical performance. Optimize yourself.